when it comes to sustainability within fashion, mm. um, it, it is a very large, complex, nuanced um, topic. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, there's just three things that we need to know at least about sustainability. Yeah. And that is about reducing, reusing, and recycling, right? Yeah. Um, now, the thing about sustainability in fashion is that there's so much focus on the on the reducing. So there's making clothes out of hemp and making mm. clothes out of things that can dissolve in 10 seconds. Mm. And then there's the recycle where there's the um, charity shops where people yeah. will bring in their stuff and they would try to on-sell it or they turn that stuff into um, old, um, like, stuffing for couches and, and et cetera. Yeah. But the problem is, is that those two parts, it doesn't really fundamentally solve the real deeper issue. That was Rose Jewell, founder of The Clothes Loop, talking about the issue of fashion sustainability. Clothes Loop is a fashion retailer where you can shop their products and swap them afterwards. Now with a fat passion for sustainability in fashion, Rose is a digital designer who believes the key to stopping fashion waste is through clothes sharing, where it benefits not only the customers but the retailers too. She also helps businesses build their technologies and ideas and lectures at RMIT in sustainability and design. So we talk through her journey and some key experiences in to getting where she is today. We also discuss the role of design and social change and how we all have an element of design within us. Hope you guys enjoy. So thanks so much for joining us, Rose. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Rose, you're working in and doing stuff around sustainability through design and fashion. What are some of the things, looking back on your childhood, that really sparked your interest in addressing that? Yeah, so for me, uh, growing up, I was always interested in in not only the creative topics, but um, I had parents who were very... um, how would you call it, pragmatic in their their interests. So mm. dad was very scientific mm. and mum had a lot of um, sort of practical hand-making and, and um, business-minded skills. And mm. so with that, they really wanted me to go down a path that would um, you know, ensure that I was happy but also ensure that I, I gave myself a more of a um, – what would you call it, a secure lifestyle in my life. Yeah. So they definitely tried to push me into directions of being being a doctor or an engineer or, or even yeah. an architect. And yeah, yeah. For me, like, um, I was quite creative. So I would yeah. create little things and create clubs and get my friends involved and I would make mm. magazines about myself. And mm. I even one little magazine I made was called Rose's Totally Cool Magazine. Yeah. And it was 50 cents. <laughs> and I forced my friends to buy an episode every yeah. week. Um, and it was really great fun because um, I'd done a lot of those little things a lot when I was younger. But yeah. I didn't do it because I was trying to make money or I was trying to 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 produce something. I just yeah. did it because I had a lot of time and yeah. that I was, I was having fun at yeah. the same time. I had a skill like I wanted to build up my you know my interest in painting and drawing and putting things together in like Microsoft Publisher yeah. <laughs> um, you know those are just things that I found joy in and 
I liked sharing that with people. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, for a lot of young people, um, even growing up through like high school and even through university, there's a lot of us that we we find it hard to express our creative side. Like even if we're really creative and we do like some great art or designs or anything, mm. it's really hard for us to put it out there. And it seems like you never really had that issue of trying to um, get over the, the psychological aspect of getting your stuff out there. You just did it. Oh, my gosh. I think I was just really shameless. Yeah. Like, I think <laughs> I had this level of non-self-awareness. Mm. Um, and, and I just did things that, that like, that made me feel good. But I was also very um, – because I was very um, shameless about what I did, I also wasn't very considerate of what other mm. people felt. <laughs> so yeah. – <laughs> um, you know, I think there was a bit of, like, a flip side of that where someone turned me around and said, bro, stop being annoying. You're annoying yeah. everybody. And yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that. Um, I mean, I guess there, there was this this really innocent level that I had carried through from primary school to high school where I, I just – now looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. I'm so mm. embarrassing. Like, yeah. one time I made a Facebook quiz back in the day when you can make Facebook quiz <laughs> yeah. about myself. And the question was, which rose are you? <laughs> and like at the end of it, you would be like, happy Rose, Rose who just ate food, Rose, or Rose yeah. watching a TV. And it was just really embarrassing. And I made the whole year level, like, actually fill in that survey and figure out which Rose they were. Like, I think. How, how many people do you reckon filled that out? Oh, God, I don't know. But now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Yeah. I think it could have been like 100 people. And Very impressive. I, um, I struggle to get like 100 people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Responding to my surveys about social change, so yeah. <laughs> might need to get you on the survey yeah, team here. I think, oh, you know, my year level we had about three hundred and fifty people. Yeah. Year level, and yeah. then the, the school was like two thousand plus people. So, mm. um, I think I just had like a handful of people who were doing it because, you know, they liked me or just thought I was really ridiculous. Yeah. So they did it anyway. So, like I said, um, uh. I guess, yeah, when you really want to do something, I think you have to have a sense of just, like, ignoring mm. the, the the surroundings around Definitely. you and just to go, just kind of get vulnerable yeah, and just kind of um, not overthink the situation. Yeah. And so taking a jump from, like, uh, a survey about <laughs> yourself towards using design yeah. for positive social change, when did you realise that you could use your creativity to create a social impact? Yeah, so I think I think there there were a few things. Um, I mean, I was fortunate to do a university course mm. um, called industrial design, and for those who don't know what industrial design is, it's basically a, it used to be a course where you would learn um, the design of products and things. Yeah. But the definition of products moved from being just a tactile thing to an emotional experience, to mm. an intangible experience, to a thing that you can smell and breathe and not necessarily touch. So industrial design is really now the <laughs> the design of things or general things. Yeah, yeah. I like to call it really the arts course or the arts degree of, of art and design. So um, when I when I studied there, like it was a really great course because I was challenged to yeah. to come up with ideas and actually be able to communicate them forward in mm. many different ways, like visually and put together a prototype, yeah. but also receive feedback in many critical ways and, yeah. and receive different viewpoints. Yeah. But 
that learnings in its in that course alone allowed me to go, okay, well, um, I now know how to put an idea together. I know how to test it. I now have, I now know how to communicate and put it out there. Mm. But um, what's even more interesting is like I know now how to test it. Yeah. And the way that I see, um, you know. I see everything that I've ever done in my life is just me throwing it out there and mm. testing it. I don't really see it as a deployment of like this final idea and here, look what I've created. It was just more of like these mini things that I've just released into the wild. Yeah. You get what I mean? Like it, yeah, yeah. So um, when it comes to design, what was your question again? Sorry. Um, no, just like you, you've been expressing your creativity and, and, and design, I guess, from a very young age, but like what really made you realise that you can use it for a, for yeah, a social change and, right. and impact in that regard? Yeah, social yeah. change. And, yeah, like, social change is just really a series of small steps, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think if we just overanalyze the situation at hand, I don't think we'll ever release anything and we'll never, ever make social change, right? Yeah. So. It's very much something that you need to take action on. Yeah, and just, yeah. I also, when people say, oh, do you define yourself as a designer? It's interesting because... Um, yes, I did study the yeah. course, and yes, I do get hired under the name of designer. But when it comes yeah. to doing your own work, like how different is my objectives to yours, for example? Yeah. Like you run a podcast, and I run like a fashion solution mm. startup thing. Yeah. Like for me, like a designer is is such a narrowing term for what we're trying to do. We're yeah. releasing an outcome. Definitely. And we're just chasing a passion. And I think that um, using design is just pretty much intrinsic into everything mm. we do, especially mm. in, in a social enterprise context. Yeah. And, and I love how you how you describe that, um, you know, where you might be designers, you might be running a podcast or something else, but in the end we're, you know, doing that to – or our work essentially progresses yeah. ourselves and each other. Um, and yeah, that's the the fundamental foundations of what we're actually doing, um, regardless of the labels that yeah um, that we might use to def- to actually describe the work that we do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and so you're mixing sustainability, design, and fashion. Uh, and so where did where did fashion and and your interest in that come along? Oh yeah, so. Um, because my mom was quite hand, like hands on, she would, and she was like a refugee, and so she mm. had a very sort of practical hand skills, but the communication wasn't so yeah. fantastic, um, which meant that um, she had really a lot of outlets, and had the outlet that she had was sewing and making mm. dolls and such, and so um, I would I would see the kinds of creations that she'd make, and she would show me how to make these these clothing, the little 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 12 centimeter things that we created yeah um and i just loved it i loved this idea of of clothing and making it for something else Mm. and i like putting together a style and stuff and i was considering to becoming a a fashion designer when i finished uni yeah um but there was this other side that kind of followed through which was what i guess my dad was and my dad was a very scientific guy Mm. um like a chemical engineer and then he became like a, a tutor a maths tutor and science tutor yeah. um and for me I, I really like this idea of structure and and things um 
going to a science, you know? Mm. Like there, there is a, a structure to it. I, I keep using the word structure, sorry. But <laughs> there is, what I'm trying to describe is more like um, there's process-led. Yeah. It's critical. We're critical mm. about the solutions. It's practical and it has um, desired set outcomes, right? Yeah. And I loved sort of understanding how things work with that yeah. in mind. And so I had these two things. One was quite creative and I had this sort of um, pragmatic mindset yeah. that it just made more sense for me to go down a path of, of industrial design, mm. which was quite close to being like the design if you had an engineering background. Yeah, yeah. You get what I mean? Um, which is a very long-winded way of saying why did I like fashion? It was always within me. Yeah. But I married two different things together that I liked and when I was in my final year at university um, what we do is like a final year called like an honours thesis yeah um, and you would pick a topic that you're interested in and you create a solution for it mm. and this was the time for me to really decide on alright well actually I'm going to bring in the subject that I really like but I'm also going to um, take in all the things that I've learned throughout the, the yeah. years and hence, I've, I've created the solution of, of um, or this come up with an idea of building like a, a dig, like a technical like technology digital solution to mm. fashion, you know, um, which beforehand it wasn't really a thing. Yeah, yeah, and the so the the solution that you've been working on is super interesting, and it's definitely how I yeah. um, found out about you and wanted to reach out. For those that probably don't know what that is, why don't you just give a bit of a, an idea about you know, what you're actually doing and the potential like mm -hmm. outcomes you see that can come out of it. Cool. So uh, Clothes Loop is my startup business. Yeah. Um, we're pr basically a product service. Yeah. Um, and it comes from the idea of wanting us, wanting to create a community around clothing and being more sustainable mm. through um, means of like the sharing economy, essentially. Yeah. So what we are, we're an online store where you can shop our products and afterwards you can swap them. And how we do it is that we connect customers together who yeah. shop from us um, based on their size and clothing um, and interest even and introduce them to create these swapping groups. Mm. And this way people can now directly swap with each other as opposed to relying on these outside services yeah. like you know um, charity stores yeah. or like you know, private clothes swapping events mm. just to be able to upgrade your wardrobe. Yeah, um, yeah. We figured that it why not actually provide as a service as a yeah. brand instead. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And I think this particularly will resonate with younger generations. Um, not only like younger gener generations right now, but younger generations growing up. Mm. Um, at least like in my school and from what I've noticed, we take um, a lot of pride in expressing ourselves through our clothing uh, we also do like get a lot of our clothes from like op shops and those yeah. sort of places mm. uh so very mindful of social impact too so if you sort of bring these things together i think it's something that really resonates with probably most of the people that are going to be listening in mm. um so it's pretty exciting to sort of see where this might go um but yeah you sort of touched on design and how it's sort of in everything that comes about in social change. Yeah. But what does that actually look like? Like what 
can we see in terms of social change initiatives where design like really sort of stands out and shines? Um, I mean, that is a very interesting question to ask. And yeah. it kind of ties back to sort of what we ourselves define as what design is. Mm. Um, and it's, it, it is a very um, difficult thing to define, right? Yeah. And how do we bring that into social change? Yeah. Well, at least we know there are a few things that's common with the design practice in itself. Yeah. And that is um, being critical of the process. Yeah. And being able to use the right tools to get to the best possible outcome. Yeah. That's really what design is. Mm. So when you bring design into something like social change, mm. um, you got to bring those tools into the practice. And those tools would be like, um, first of all, analysing and understanding the context and the situation. Yeah. And understanding the people in that context and situation and then using what's available in your repertoire to be able to come up with the best um, solution for that yeah so design for example isn't just in the way that you make a nice pretty app design is also in the way that you um, bring people into the experience Mm. so there's such thing as service design where it's just about um planning the touch points in which someone um, engages with your your um, uh, outcome, right? Yeah. Like with it, with it, with your service that yeah. you might design. Yeah. Um, it's there's no particular way how to represent that. Yeah. But that person is a designer, right? Definitely. Um, and if you're, you know, a scientist, you're almost like a designer in that sense mm. too, because you go in there. And you know what your your tool is, and your tool is yeah. that you know how to. You might know how the materials or the compounds of, of the things that the artifacts that's inside this this landscape, the problem mm. in this context, it's clothing, right? Yeah. So then you might be go. You might say, okay, well, I'm going to create a brand new fiber. I'm going to create a brand new um, material. Yeah. So in a way that that scientist is also employing the designer perspective or the mm. designer. Um, mentality into um, building like a change in social change. Yeah, and and sort of everywhere. And the the reason I I do ask that is because we grow up through school, through university, and I guess what design really seems to be and to a lot of us growing up is just that physical design. So architecture, interior design, mm. literally things, but that are very visual and that you can visually see but the processes that essentially design brings can be implemented in incredible ways Mm. um, which is sort of what I really wanted to highlight through asking that and yeah I definitely can see um, how design and you know things like design thinking and human-centered design all these stuff are coming up Mm. but it's very much intrinsically that it's it's not just people who are really creative yeah that can get into it like we we all have an element of um, design into us and everything we do Absolutely. has a process of design yeah um yeah definitely interesting so you know you're really working around creating a sustainable cycle mm-hmm. of um of fashion sale cycle in fashion and clothing and so why is that so important what's the the issues that we see mm-hmm. around that currently um and what are the solutions that we can kind of hopefully help to address that 
and obviously closed loop is one yeah. of them, but if there's anything else out there. Yeah, so when it comes to sustainability within fashion, mm. um, it, it is a very large, complex, nuanced um, topic. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, there's just three things that we need to know at least about sustainability. Yeah. And that is about reducing, reusing, and recycling, right? Yeah. Um, now, the thing about sustainability in fashion is that there's so much focus on the on the reducing. So there's making clothes out of hemp and making mm. clothes out of things that can dissolve in 10 seconds. Mm. And then there's the recycle where there's the um, charity shops where people yeah. will bring in their stuff and they would try to on-sell it or they turn that stuff into um, old, um, like, stuffing for couches and, and et cetera. Yeah. But the problem is, is that those two parts, it doesn't really fundamentally solve the real deeper issue. Mm. And is that we live in a society where we're, it's creating more and we're taking more resources um, in order to make um, new products consistently. And fashion is rapidly becoming shorter cycles and therefore yeah. we're buying more and buying more. Yeah. And these solutions aren't solving those they're, yeah. they're just slightly mitigating it mm. but I feel also they're almost kind of encouraging it even more so yeah so my focus really is about the reuse it's the mm. central point it's about um, the middle of the the life cycle of our garments yeah and I find that yeah we do have an issue where we wear our clothes minimally to a point where um, you know, young women like myself will wear clothes once and throw it out. Mm. And we we give it to charities thinking that, you know, these garments will go to the right people, but in the end they they don't. They mm. people don't see any value in our old, you know, two dollar T shirts. Yeah. Um, and so the, for me, the the quality is important. We also need to support um, the people who are working inside the industry about creating quality so that's good design good um quality make um workmanship yeah and craftsmanship i mean in the garments mm. and um you know yeah supporting creativity mm. um those are things that we need to support because yeah. um that's actually where we can bring value and making people value our items longer yeah um that could create um you know, you could create more work. Mm. You could create a more quality work around mm. people as opposed to um, someone employed to copy designs yeah. and, you know, employing millions and hundreds of people mm. um, in sweatshops to just produce these terrible designs, Definitely. right? Yeah. So for me, um, that's why it's so important, this middle ground. Yeah. Um, and that's where, <laughs> I guess, again, there's a bit of a long-winded way of me saying, like, why clothes loop is really important. Yeah. It's about um, making sure that good products are being created yeah. in order to make them swappable yeah. and making sure that many people enjoy that one design and product um, to a point that it almost benefits the brands back again. Mm, definitely. I think that's, yeah, very. I resonate a lot with everything you've just said. And what I do like, because I know there's a lot of, you know, very socially conscious people um, particularly, you know, in high school, university, a lot of, you know, the, the younger generations growing up. 
what are some things that you know you reckon we can do to be a bit more mindful of uh, fashion decisions? So like while keeping you know our creativity and and like individuality through a style, but then making sure that you know we're also doing it in the right way and we're not contributing to the exploitive parts yeah. of what the fashion industry does have. So your question is about how can we um, how can we still sort of enjoy and support the fashion industry, but just not support the bad stuff. Yeah, essentially, essentially. <laughs> essentially. Oh, um, man, yeah, it is, like, yeah. it is a hard question. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a hard thing to do, and, and that's part of why I'm, I'm so passionate about trying to make Definitely. clothes happen, because in the end, we can only trust what people sell us yeah. and what people tell us. Yeah. Um, you know, that it is, like, going and supporting a brand that says that they make in Australia yeah. or, or locally or in an ethical way. Yeah. Um, make it out of good fibers and fabrics and stuff. Yeah. But again, when it comes to sustainability, sometimes like man-made, I mean, natural fibers aren't necessarily that much better than man-made fibers. Mm. And it's all got to do with the context in which you wear those clothes in again. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, highly complicated. <laughs> but um, I guess it's about being smart. Yeah, it's about like if you're really invested in putting money towards the clothes you wear and just having that as a thing that you identify with, yeah. putting in sort of time to think, uh, to know and do your research and, and really understand what you're shopping with and where to buy. Yeah. There's really great apps like um, Good On You mm. that have done all of that, that research for you and, yeah. and tell you where, where you should shop because they've done their accreditation. Um, but also another thing is like I like to look at the, the, the five, like the, um, the laundry tag and clothing. Because mm. it really paints a really good like picture of whether that brand is good or not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I guess that's like the my best answer. Yeah. The second sure. the second thing you can do is just shop secondhand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that makes yeah. sense, and I, and I know there's there's a lot of people who are like, we definitely want to make the right decisions in like the things that we buy and things we do, but they're also like super creative and love great design and great style. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, is there you know, how do we actually find the right balance between that? And hopefully things like the closed loop will be great solutions to that. Yeah. Um, which is definitely what I think part of what you're going towards um, in developing that. Yeah. But, yeah, so you, you started closed loop at, um, you know, a pretty young age for any sort of entrepreneur um, generally. So what have you found, you know, really being the most valuable things um, in being an entrepreneur, social entrepreneur from a young age and, what are sort of some of the biggest challenges as well you've probably faced um, as a result? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, again, I always did things without thinking about it Yeah. <laughs> yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, and so trying to do this at a young age, um, I, I, I think you need to have a good level of just being able to ignore everything and just, mm. and just focusing on the small steps mm. to getting – towards where you need to be so all right first first step quit the job yeah <laughs> second step um thinking about how to make money for the next 10 weeks yeah. whilst managing my time yeah. on working on the website yeah working and, and how, d- how did you how did you actually go around doing that because it's oh, quite interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty funny isn't it i um yeah right now for example like i'm not 100 percent working on clothes loop yeah because in the end um it's just me and this other girl um my designer Mm. And it, we're trying to tackle and create really big things. We're trying mm. to create a label as well as create an online service and yeah. app. Um, 
which means it needs a lot of money. Yeah. And we've got none. <laughs> so. Oh, that's like literally every young <laughs> oh, entrepreneur no. that's trying to do something. <laughs> I didn't think this through. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so exactly. That was yeah. the problem. Yeah. Um, and luckily, I think I'm, I was quite fortunate to, to have um, like a skill set to, to leverage from. Mm. And this is kind of where I recommend when people who are young, who want to do this kind of thing, I'm like, okay, well, what is your backup plan? Or what yeah. is your, what is your bread um, bread and butter, yeah. you know, um, for me, it was, it was doing digital design. So prior to that, I mean, I came up with the idea of what, um, clothes loop was, but mm. I did take two years out to really, um, build on my skills of being a, a web designer. Mm. Um, and now I do that web design as a freelance business to offset the, the kinds of things that I really want to do in clothes loop. Yeah. Um, and, but What's also I found is that it's actually also become my leverage as well. Yeah. So I meet tons of people who have endless amounts of networks just through my work as a web designer, mm. but who also know the right people who go, oh, you know, I, I, like, oh, that's a perfect, that's a great idea for a project. Like mm. I know someone who might be able to help you with that. So yeah. then they introduce me more. Definitely. And I didn't mean to like, um, you know, talk to them just about my mm. closed loop. I talk to them because of my web design stuff, but like these networks and connections yeah. just naturally form. Yeah. Um, as soon as I start projecting my passion, my passion yeah. project basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people are pretty receptive to, and it, it's, it's actually quite funny how you think that there's a, and there are a lot of barriers to try and getting something done yeah. um, off the scale at like a young age, but then like doors to opportunities do just open up for you. Like if yeah. you put your mind to it and you go down this pathway and you you genuinely put yourself, um, invest yourself into it. Yeah. There's, you know, there's other people, there's, um, yeah, a lot of great people around you and a lot of great opportunities to actually make this happen and, and take tangible steps towards getting there. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and it's also a thing that you can leverage as well as like, I've been able to use my design work as mm. a way to go, hey, well, I'll do you a bit of a design if you help me on this. Mm. Um, it's like it's about sharing skills and stuff. Yeah. And it became almost like an additional level of capital, mm. right? So you've got personal capital and you've got literal capital, which yeah. is money. And when you don't have one or the other, you kind of supplement with the other. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I've just gone about things lately, mm. um, just being able to sell on my skills and yeah. my expertise. Yeah. And I think it's also important to know that, you know, if you're you're looking for help from somebody else, um, it's not just okay, but it's it's definitely very useful to give back in whatever way you can to them. Yes. Um, yeah. Right. You know, it's just like just try and go go in with a perspective of giving, and then um, hopefully you'll get in return as yeah, well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, and so, apart from you know, really the um, the financial side of things, with any sort of big um barriers that that you faced along the way um yeah so definitely the financial perspective i mean i've, mm. I've been sort of knocked back several hundred times um, <laughs> oh you know when I've, I've tried to you know pitch for funding and pitch yeah. for this and that um uh, communicating what i really want to do and like the grand vision can mm. be also quite difficult to, for something for a topic that is just quite straightforward like fashion yeah um and so for me it was like communicating ideas like that is just was really hard for me yeah. especially because i'm a visual person not yeah. a really communicative person yeah. um 
it just meant that I just had a lot of setbacks in wanting to, to get um, where I needed to be. Yeah. But I never, it never stopped me. Yeah, you've you know? never wavered. I never yeah. wavered. Like, yeah. it, like, just because someone didn't give me funding for this didn't mean that I couldn't find ways to get enough money to get to the next mm. half step I needed to make. Definitely. So, um, I guess, yeah, it's just like the problem, yeah, I had to be really quite resilient, persistent, yeah. but lastly, I need to be patient, which I'm still trying to come, terms, come to terms with because mm. I have a lot of people come up to me and say, hey, you know, when you're going to release this thing out or when when's yeah. that going to happen? And I'm like, next week, when really the truth was it's going to be next year or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I do that a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, I've got to stop beating myself up for that because it's yeah. okay to take your time. Yeah. Like we, we have this fear of competition, but in the end what's going to beat you from competition is being authentic. Definitely, yeah. And if you're not going to take – if by taking your time and being authentic to your, your process mm. and yourself and everything like that, that's, that's going to – become more um, worthwhile mm. for this whole entire endeavor that you might take. You know, like you might get to um, one year and you, you build your multi-billionaire business, but that was a, a, like the sacrifice of like your your morals or yourself or your sleep mm. or your food or your health and all that yeah. stuff. Like, is it really that worth it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like for me, it's also like entrepreneurship is really a lifestyle and yeah. it's, it's a passion. Yeah. I love that. I think resilience, persistence, patience, and then just being authentic through all of that. Yeah. While those things are sort of like a foundation. Um, yeah. I think that sort of sums it up and is really a great way to wrap things up. Yeah. Really well, appreciate you. you joining yeah. me. Great. Thanks um, for having me. This. Yeah. No worries. Thank you. Great. <laughs> Hello, thank you so much for listening into this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Just got two quick things I want to say. First of all, is please leave a review of this podcast, especially you know if you're listening in on iTunes. What it means is that more people are able to see and access this podcast, and hopefully can impact um, you know young people across the world. Secondly, I just want to say that the music you just heard is created by and produced by local Canberra artist Slack. Um, if you like what you hear, please give her a follow, keep up with her stuff on Slack underscore Oz at SoundCloud or Slack Australia on Facebook. Thanks guys.